0: But what I'm talking about today is cash flow. And if you have a problem on one end or on the other end, you're going to feel it in the middle. You really will. Well, we're going to talk about cash flow. What a strange thing to talk about at church, huh? But the cash flow of the Christian life. The expression cash flow is primarily a financial term and it means just what it says, the flow of cash. It's referring to the um, rise and fall of money as it comes and goes, comes in and goes out. Cash flow has often been called the lifeblood of a business or a nation or a home or an individual, possibly even of a church. For most homes, and I suppose most individuals, Cash flow in basic terms means that we trade our services, our skills, what we're able to do, or we sell certain things in exchange for money. Um, If not money, then things that are worth money. And then what do we do? We take that money and we use it to buy things that we need and things that we want. So we have money coming in, we have money going out. And this is called cash flow. And as long as the cash keeps flowing, life is good. Right? And I've got about three rights on that one and a few murmuring. I'm not sure what they said, but uh, I think it's a basic idea. Have you ever heard the story of the uh, $20 bill and the $1 looney coin? And uh, after uh, these went into circulation, after a period of about a year, um, they uh, somehow were able to trace where they went. And they found that the, uh, the $20 bill uh, 17 times ended up in a restaurant. Um, about 12 times it ended up at a grocery store. 15 times it ended up at a movie theater. Uh, the $1 Looney coin um, ended up at a dollar store about 20 times ended up at church about 30 times. (laughs) You get the idea. But it's the flow of money. Do you realize that the cash money you have, you're going to probably give that to someone. You're not going to hang on to it. Eventually, you're going to be giving it to someone. Maybe it's the landlord. Maybe it's the grocer. Maybe it's the kid who comes and does errands for you or cuts your grass or something. But that money you have. And the money that you give to the grocer, and to uh, the butcher, and to the little kid who does your grass cutting, uh, they're not going to keep it either. They're going to have to give it away. Maybe they'll be giving some of it to the government. They'll be giving some of it to the um, a utilities company. You get the idea? So it's always moving around, always. Money has a life of its own, and it, it never sleeps all over the world. Money is always moved from market to market 24-7. It never Sleeps. Cash is always moving around. Well, I say cash, but the idea of money. It's a lot of uh, cash is represented by electronic money now these days, I suppose. But the question is, what happens to the cash flow? What happens when the cash flow begins to slow down? What happens when there's a blockage or a partial blockage or heaven forbid? What happens if the cash flow stops? What happens to us? You see, as long as the cash is flowing, life is good. But what happens if there's a slowing or blockage or stoppage on either end, the coming or the going? What happens? Well, for example, what happens if you get a a cut in pay? Your your reduced hours, maybe. What happens if you lose your job completely? What happens to the cash flow? Hmm? It kind of stops, doesn't it? And doesn't that create problems for us in between? We're sort of living in between cash flow, aren't we? The money that comes in, the money that goes out, and here we are stuck in the middle. And so if the cash coming in all of a sudden slows to a trickle or stops, what happens to us? You see? Some of us have little reserves, and that's a good thing to have, by the way. It's always good to have a few extra cans of uh, beans and things on the shelf, you know, it's always good to have uh, maybe an extra quart of milk or loaf of bread in the, uh, the deep freeze or something. It's always good to have a little bit of extra money. If you are living on fumes, uh, you are on thin ice. You need to have a little bit of meat on the bone. You need to ask God to give you wisdom. Boy, I wish you could have been here for our financial freedom series we showed on Wednesday nights. 20 Wednesday nights. Wow, they were good. Now, those of you that missed a few of those, you're able to watch the reruns. We're doing those on Wednesday nights, but you have to sign up. Anyhow, I'm not here to talk about Wednesday night. I'm here to talk about when your cash stops. And you see, if your job were to dry up and wither away, all of a sudden your cash flow stops, you're in trouble. You still have needs. You still have bills you have to pay. That cash has to flow. But the cash coming in has stopped. What do you do? That's on one hand. But you realize there's a problem on the other hand as well. Supposing you have the money. Let's supposing you have the cash coming in. But now you can't spend it. You run to the grocery store and find out the grocery store is out of business. Well, what good is your cash? How are you going to eat that? You're going to have to try and find another grocery store. Did you know that there are places in Europe that have this problem? In communist Russia, well, I shouldn't say communist Russia, but in Russia anyhow, they have this problem as well. You see, we have the mentality here in this country that we go to the store and we buy what we want. That's our mentality. Not in certain countries of the world you don't. In certain countries of the world, you don't go and buy what you want, no. You go in, and whatever is left on the shelves, you try to buy that. That's the mentality in certain countries of the world. We don't seem to have that problem, not here, not yet. Even in England, they're having some of that kind of problem. The shelves are going bare. Products are, they're, they're running out and they can't restock those shelves. Now, we had that happen during COVID with things like toilet paper. Do you, anyone here remember those days? Yeah. Well, can you imagine that now it's not just toilet paper, but it's bread, it's milk, it's meat. It's all the things you're used to buying for your home and family. You can't buy those things anymore. You see, you have a problem now on the other side of the cash flow equation. You got the money coming in, but you can't get what you want. Your money is now worthless. You get all this money, but what are you going to do with it? Some crazy people have the idea they're going to take all their money with them to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> That's not going to happen. But even if you could do it, even if you could do it, what are you going to do with it in heaven? Huh? What are you going to spend it on? It's useless in heaven. They don't use that currency. They have a totally different currency in heaven. And it's not silver and gold and and stocks and bonds and money down here on earth. It's a totally different currency up in heaven. My friend, if you're putting all your eggs in that one basket, you're going to be in for a big surprise one day. Because your money will be worthless. After the First World War, Germany experienced inflation of something like 2,000%. We're struggling with inflation of 3, 4, 5%. You know, oh, I'm going to tighten up the belt another notch. Imagine 2,000%. There's a joke about uh, a lady who, uh, after the Second World War, first Second World War, Second World War, I guess it was, again, inflation in Europe, terrible inflation, and you had trouble getting what you wanted, and she managed to stockpile a lot of money. And she put it in a wheelbarrow and she took it down to the, to the store to get what she needed. And so she turned her back to talk to the storekeeper. And when she turned back, the money was still there, but the wheelbarrow was stolen. Because the money is no good. No good. Imagine that. Some of you know what I collect. I've got a, an unusual collection of something that some of you know what it is. And uh, I'll tell you, I collect toothpaste tube caps. The reason I do it is because no one else on earth will. I'm the only one. So I've got this large quantity of toothpaste tube caps that I've collected over the last 40 years. Most of them have been the tubes that I've used myself. What are you going to do with those? Absolutely nothing. They're absolutely as worthless as worthless can be. But what I'm talking about today is cash flow. And if you have a problem on one end or on the other end, you're going to feel it in the middle. You really will. So, the good news, the good news for the faithful, born-again man or woman of God who's living for the Lord. I'm not talking about backslidden Christians. I'm talking about the faithful Christian man or woman who's put Jesus first in their life. The good news is you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Your cash could dry up. You say, well, what am I going to do? You still have a heavenly father. And he's loaded. He is loaded. He owns all the wealth of the world. You're his child. And you're following him faithfully. The good news for you, my friend, you don't have to worry. Because God will supernaturally make money come to you. 23, almost 24 years ago when we first moved out here, we were living on scraps. Scraps. You know, the whites were living on fumes. We didn't have much at all in the way of support whatsoever. And I had to get a a job in in a a foam factory. My job was to inhale the chemicals. (sighs) Terrible job. Uh, And we still didn't have enough. Could only get kind of part-time work there. What did God do? Supernaturally, he brought money in from people that we never expected it from. God always finds a way to look after his children. If he could look after the children of Israel, and there was at least 2 million of them in the wilderness for 40 years, if he could look after them and feed them and clothe them and all that for 40 years, don't you think God can do the same for you and me? Amen? Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. We serve a wonderful God. And this is good news. You don't have to worry. The world is worrying. For the world, the cash is vaporizing. Their jobs are evaporating. You know, economy is not what it used to be. They're they're predicting some woe and gloom for 2023. Well, that's the world. We don't have to be that way at all. We don't have to be gloomy because we've got a powerful Heavenly Father who loves us and He's going to take care of us. I believe that with all my heart. But today I want to borrow the expression cash flow. I want to take that expression, and I want to use it in another way. The cash flow of personal relationships. The cash flow of personal relationships. You know that in every single relationship, there must be a regular flow of certain things. If you have interpersonal relationships with people, then you know there are certain things you have to give and receive in order for the relationship to be good and happy and healthy and growing but let there become a blockage in the flow of these certain things in a relationship let there be a blockage or a stoppage and the relationship is in trouble and so i want to talk for my remaining time on the cash flow of the christian life Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to help us with this one. And our Heavenly Father, we give You the honor and glory and worship that is due Your name. We love You so much. Father, please grant to us eyes that can see and ears that can hear and heart that can take it all in. Father, send the Holy Spirit to give us revival in our hearts today to love You more than ever before. This is the bottom line. Help us to achieve that goal, that prayer request. Revive us again, O God. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, there are, I suppose, many different uh, relationships that we could talk about as far as cash flow, but I want to limit them to two. Number one, I'd like us to start by talking about the cash flow relationship between a husband and wife, and this one is easy to understand, and it'll help us for the second one. I ask you this question, do people get married for no reason at all? What do you think? They just end up married one day. Is that how it works? Do people get married and then have little to do with each other from then on? Is that how it works? And of course the answer is no. Most people in the world, now I say most because there are arranged marriages. You only get to meet your bride on the day you marry her. So uh, most marriages take place because those people are interested in a relationship, a special relationship. They don't want to just be friends at a distance with this special someone. They want to marry them and spend the rest of their lives with them. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe that that is part of God's plan for us. Now, I invite you to take your Bible, turn to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians and chapter number 5. Turn there now, would you please? Ephesians chapter 5. I'd like you to see what God says is the basic cash flow for a husband-wife relationship. You see, in a marriage relationship with husband and wife, there has to be a cash flow flowing and remember when the cash is flowing life is good and so in Ephesians chapter 5 we'll just cherry pick a couple verses here for the sake of time but look at verse 22 read it out loud with me Ephesians 5:22. read that out loud wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord and read again out loud verse 24 Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, verse 25, read out loud. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And verse number 28, read it. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And so once again, here in a nutshell, we can see the basics of cash flow between husband and wife according to what God has written in the Bible. Marriages are all about cash flow of relationship. i say it again. Marriages are all about cash flow of relationship. Husbands and wives both give and get in a healthy relationship. It's not all give and it's not all get. It's both give and get. Now, what does a wife want to get? What does she want? Well, I want to give you a little list of five things. It's not an exhaustive list. There are other things, I suppose. But I want to give you five basic things of what a wife wants to get from her husband in the relationship. Number one is romantic times together and a warm embrace. Holding her hand. Showing her courtesy. Perhaps opening doors for her, honey, let me get that for you. Um, I lumped this all under number one, and I, I call it the romantic times together, and it can it include you know a, a warm embrace and she'll she'll maybe have her own ideas, but the I, the thing is she wants a little romance. number two is she wants to hear words, she wants words of love that say how much she 's appreciated and Words of love that express that he only has eyes for her. Those are things that every wife wants. Uh, Number three, she wants sympathy and patience and understanding when she's going through a struggle or a problem. She doesn't necessarily need the answer. She doesn't necessarily need it fixed. But what she needs is for her husband to show understanding and patience and sympathy and a listening ear and compassion. That does more. Oftentimes that does more than the actual fixing of the problem. Uh, Number four, she wants her husband to speak well of her to others. She wants that for her husband to say nice things about her to other people. And number five, I included in the list, it's very important and sometimes we overlook it, But she needs daily supportive prayer. Every husband ought to be praying every day for his wife. Praying that God would bless her and protect her and comfort and keep her. All right. Now, the Bible teaches us that husbands should give these five things and more to their wives. Now, what does a husband want to get from his wife? We've seen what a wife wants to get from her husband. What does the husband want to get from his wife? And again, this is not an exhaustive list, and I give you five things. Number one, he also is looking for romantic times together. You say, well, aren't there any marriages where maybe he's not or she's not looking for romance? I suppose there probably are, but as a rule of thumb, a rule of thumb, he's looking for romantic times together. He wants to put his arms around her and hold this girl that he married. Number two is he is also looking for words, but words of encouragement because men need propping up. That's just the nature of the beast, ladies. Your man needs to be propped up. Your man needs to be encouraged because he goes out and he faces a hostile world. And he comes home and he needs the encouragement. There's a ministry that really only a wife can do. And so he needs words of encouragement that'll say how much that she appreciates him. Boy, if you want to score points with your husband, ladies, just, and and it can't be cheap flattery. It has to be sincere because cheap flattery is not even worth the dollar store. (laughs) Number three, he needs patience when he's struggling with a problem. He needs love and he needs the offer to help. He may not want the help, but he needs the offer. He may want to be alone and work it out himself. And he's got to let him do his thing. But what he's wanting is the, the patience and the love when he's going through a struggle. Number four, he also, and I, he, he wants you to speak well of him to others. And my opinion only, but I kind of think that men need this a little bit more than women need it. But he needs her to talk well about him when she's around others. And of course, number five is the same, regular daily supportive prayer. Wives, you have to be praying daily for your husband. God to give them wisdom and protect them. The Bible teaches us that a wife should give these five things and more to her husband. And here's the point. When both husband and wife are giving to each other, well, at the very same time, they are receiving. Not only are they giving, but they are receiving at the same time. This is God's design. It's sort of like one hand washes the other. This is a healthy cash flow marriage relationship. Now, not every marriage is healthy. And not every marriage has a good cash flowing system. Unfortunately, marriages do break down. It's been my observation over 41 years of doing marriage counsel It's been my observation that most marriage breakdowns happen when one of the parties, one or maybe both of the parties, they stop their giving. They stop giving of those five things. Or they will stop receiving what their husband or wife is trying to give them. Maybe the wife is faithfully trying to give her five things, but the husband's angry and he's He's not receiving. You see, there's both ends there of the cash flow. There's giving and there's receiving. And you have to do both. You have to give and you have to receive. It's not all give. It's not all receive. It's both. Most problems seem to happen. When the cash flow is blocked, the marriage suffers. All right, I think we all get this idea and the importance of cash flow uh, in a marriage relationship between a husband and wife. Because understanding this will help us now with point number two, which is this, the cash flow relationship between a Christian and the Lord Jesus Christ. The cash flow relationship between a born again, man or woman, and God. And for this, I'd like you to turn back to that book of Micah. If you were there earlier, turn back to Micah. There's about 12 of these minor little prophet guys and they run around like ants on the earth and you've got to try and keep them straight. But uh, they're near to the end of the Old Testament. Anyhow, you'll find Micah. If you can't, look in your index. If that doesn't help, ask your neighbor. Or just sit there and look like you know what we're talking about. Micah chapter 6. I want to ask the question again, only from a different point of view about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Do people trust in Jesus for no reason at all? Just one day they wake up and, oh, they happen to be trusting in Jesus today. Is that how it works? Do people trust in Christ and then have little to do with Jesus? Well, unfortunately, the way some people behave, the way some people live their Christian lives, you might think there's some truth to that one. That they got saved, but now they have very little to do with the Lord Jesus. They're not progressing. They're not growing. They're not becoming more and more what God wants them to be. They're just the same as they were year after year with very minimal relationship. Uh, Sad, I suppose. These days, far too many Christians pay lip service to Jesus. And I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about church in general. Churches where there's saved people. At least all up and down through North America. I'm not, you know, sure about some other countries in Europe, say. Uh, but I, I'm fairly aware of what's happening in North America. Far, far too many, born again, men and women, they pay lip service. It's almost like paying your dues, you know, part of off your paycheck you pay a few dollars, your dues to the union. That'll, that'll help, you know, keep them happy. And then when I have trouble, they'll come to my rescue. Well, I'll go to church once in a while. I, I may even read some Bible once in a while. And, and this will keep God happy. And it'll, you know, keep them there in my corner. In case anything goes wrong, then uh, I, can, I can tap them and say, I need you now. That's lip service. That's that's not much of a relationship. Imagine if a husband treated his wife that way. Well, I'll say hello to her once a week. You know, I'll acknowledge her once a week. And then whenever anything goes wrong, then I can call upon her and she'll come running to my rescue. Doesn't quite work that way, does it? Relationships are like a cash flow. And the cash has to flow. It has to come in, it has to go out, so that more can come in. So that more can go out. So that more can come in. It has to flow. There needs to be a give and take. In relationships. You know, you you think of what the Lord Jesus did for you and for me. In his part of the relationship. He died for us on the cross. Dying for our sins. And not only did he stop there. But he's in heaven today praying for us. And keeping us in good relationship with God. And if he were to stop that, we would have trouble. That's part of the cash flow. That's part of what he's doing. Does that make sense? We need him day by day. And we don't seem to to realize that, that there has to be this flow every single day. Most Christians usually, usually have some sort of expectations from God. They usually have some idea of what they want from God. But you know there are some Christians that have very little in the way of expectation or want from God. You say that's odd. It is. And why is that? Because some Christians think that, you know, if they ask God for more and God gives them more, then God's going to want more. God's going to want more of my life. He's going to want more of my time. He's going to want more of my my offerings. You know, if I get more from him then I'm obligated, I got to give him more and That's not going to make me happy. I'm going to be unhappy. You know, the Bible says God loveth a joyful giver. That's why I only give a nickel a week. I only give five cents a week because I'm happy with that. If I gave any more, I'd I'd be unhappy with that. So that's why I only give just a little nickel a week, you see. Well, this is how the devil keeps us in bondage. He keeps us in bondage and it's a good trick because it works. He gets us to think that life is good right now. Don't upset it. And if you were to come forward on an invitation, if you were to raise your hand for prayer, if you were to sign up for um, service in the Lord at church, if you were to help out with supporting missions or taking even a, a paper to pray, you see, more is going to be required from you and then you're not going to be very happy. That is a lie of the devil. And that's how he keeps us in bondage. Now, listen, wives. Would you be terribly unhappy if your husband did more for you? Would you start to cry, weep? Would your life be miserable if your husband started to do a little more for you? You'd say, I don't be silly. He could do a whole lot more for me. I'd be very happy. Yeah. Cash flow, give and take. You reap what you sow. If you sow very little, what are you going to reap? Tell me. Very little. If you are bountiful in your sowing, you will be bountiful in your reaping. And it's exactly that way in the cash flow of your relationship with God. The devil doesn't want us to know that. He wants us to think that, well, you know, if I give a dollar to God, that's a dollar I've lost. If I give an hour to God, that's an hour I've lost. If I do something for the Lord, like vacuuming the, 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 the floors in church, well, boy, that's, that's energy and talent that I've lost. And that's a lie. That's not true. God is no man's debtor. He always blesses back to us. Always, always. I'm so glad for the faithful people we have here in this church that serve the Lord in various capacities. We could use more ushers, though. Hint, hint, men. <laughs> we got an ushers meeting coming up. Pastor Tim, is it a week today or one week today? we got an ushers meeting. And uh, gentlemen, if you're interested in being, uh, serving as an usher, now you need to be a member of the church to be an usher. But if you're a member of the church, why don't you stick around for the ushers meeting next Sunday after church? And you'll learn a few things. What's involved in being an usher? Maybe the Lord will give you a joy and faith to be an usher. We could probably use another couple of nursery workers as well. Uh, faithful ladies who will uh, give of their time. Praise God for the nursery. Amen? We love those children dearly. We wouldn't want to be without them. But they need a space of their own where they can fuss and cry and get a diaper changed. They need all that in a nice, comfortable, climate-controlled you know, place. Not here in the auditorium as we're trying to preach the Word of God. Praise God for the ministry of the nursery. Praise God for all of the ladies who serve faithfully. All the men who serve faithfully in this church as well. Praise God for them. Listen, I want you to consider some of the wonderful, marvelous things God has already done for you in the cash flow end of things. You have your sins forgiven. You have a home in heaven. You have God as your father. You have Jesus as your brother. You have the Holy Spirit as your comforter. You have the Bible as your answer book. You have prayer as your instant means of communication with God. And there's never any busy signal. There's never any offline or time out. Instant communication with God. You have the church as your home on earth. You have all of your basic needs met. Plus... God gives health. He gives answers to prayer. He gives jobs. He gives homes. He gives furnishings for those homes. He gives cars. He gives vacations. He gives a host of other things. And sadly, some Christians have come to just expect all this from God. As if it was due to them. God owes them a vacation. God owes them two or three cars. God owes them God owes us what? <laughs> really. Everything we have is a wonderful gift of His grace and mercy. We forget that, though, in maybe this society. Please remember that a good relationship requires the cash flow of getting and giving. It's both. And so we can see here some of what God has given to us. Now, what does God expect back? Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Read it out loud together with me now. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And so God tells us right here what he's wanting. In the cash flow relationship that you enjoy with God Almighty, he's done so much for you. Now what are you supposed to do for him? Three things. Number one is he says we're to do justly. In other words, do what's right. Do what's right, not according to the world, according to God. Do what's right. How do we know what God says is right and wrong? From the Bible. God's given us a wonderful book. It is the solid truth, a foundation we can plant both feet on. In the Bible, we will learn what is right. We just need to do what's right. God tells us what to do. Let's do it. You see, that's doing justly. What does God require of me? Number one, do the right thing. Number two, He says in in verse 8 here. He says, love mercy. That means show mercy to other people. Show them compassion. Show them consideration. Do that for others. You know, there's a lot of unsaved people in this world. People who if they died right now, they'd lift up their eyes in hell and say, what just happened? We need to have compassion on the lost and try and reach them. We had a number of people out Uh, yesterday, doing flyering, putting gospel tracts in mailboxes. That is so easy a ministry. Anyone can do it. Well, as long as you have two good feet, I suppose, and you can walk from house to house. We just need to give an hour of our time to do it. Say, what about next week on Saturday? What are you doing for an hour? Maybe you could come and help. You know, we're reaching... The city of Surrey, we call it our Jerusalem. It's on that map over there. We're coloring in the areas that we've reached with gospel literature. According to uh, Pastor Devian, who keeps track over these statistics, we are coming close to getting all of the city of Surrey covered with the gospel. What are we going to do when that is finished? We're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to start all over again because there's a lot of people that still... They've moved to Surrey. They're brand new. Others have moved out. Some have died. Some have born and grown up over the years that we've been doing uh, gospel literature. They need to hear. So we've got a whole new fresh face of Surrey looking at us. Lots of new people that need to hear, haven't heard. But that's just one way of showing compassion. The third thing in verse 8 is to walk humbly with thy God. Daily, daily humility with God Boy, oh boy, I tell you, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior means you've entered into a relationship, a relationship. In this relationship, you give certain things to God and you get certain things from God. It's the cash flow of your Christian life. Now, truth be told, listen carefully, before you were saved, before you repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as your Savior, your personal Savior, before you did that, you were lost. You were a child of the devil. Satan was your owner. Misery was your lot in life. And hell was your eternal destiny. Then came the happy day where you finally realized, what a fool. What a sinner I am. And you came to Jesus. You repented of your sins and you asked him into your heart to be your savior. Oh, happy day. What happened then? You exchanged your old owner, your former owner, for a new owner. You are a child of God. Jesus Christ is now your new owner. Joy is your new lot in life and heaven is your eternal destiny. What an amazing, wonderful thing has happened in your life and mine when we receive Christ. You are in a wonderful new relationship with Jesus Christ where both you and He have cash flow in giving and in getting. But... If you stop the cash flow, if you hinder the cash flow, if you block the cash flow, your Christian relationship with Jesus Christ is going to suffer. You will experience trouble. You say, trouble? What sort of trouble? What sort of trouble if I stop reading my Bible, if I stop coming to church, if I don't want to serve the Lord? What kind of trouble could I possibly get in? Well, you will begin experiencing excess Sorrow and frustration. I say excess because no one is immune from sorrow. The Bible will become a very dull, boring book for you. Prayer will seem lifeless, powerless. What's the use? Your prayers will boil down to little more than just a few words before you eat. That will be the sum total of your prayer life. Imagine that. Oh say, does anyone here have a prayer life like that? I believe you will find that somewhere in there you have stopped or slowed down your cash flow giving. What other kind of sorrow? Well, you're going to miss out on extra blessings, blessings that could be yours. You're going to miss out on those. And there may be extra troubles, and I believe there will be, extra troubles you will have to go through. Folks, in short, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to shoot yourself in the foot. Wives, it's not worth it to stop giving to your husbands. Husband, it's not worth it to stop giving to your wives. It's not worth it. You're going to suffer for it. Christian, you, you will suffer for it. If you block your cash flow giving to God, I'm talking about the relationship. You will suffer. Last Sunday, we had Consecration Sunday. We showed the importance of consecrating ourselves to God. We saw it. If you've done that, that's an excellent first step on the year. If you haven't done it, you ought to do it today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. You know, there's Christians who haven't even done that. They haven't even gotten on their knees and said, Lord, I want to give you my body. My body, my physical body. This hundred and none of your business pounds. You know, this body. I want to give it to you, Lord. It's not a perfect body. Maybe I've roughed it up a little bit. I'm sorry, forgive me. But I want to give you my body from here on in. You are the owner. I'll be the caretaker. I'll do my best to take care of the body. But it's your body. I want to give it to you. That's clearly taught in Romans chapter 12. A lot of Christians haven't even done that. We need to get back to the cash flow relationship with God. He wants to give to us. We need to give to Him. Folks, you can't outgive God. Don't ever, ever, ever think, oh, well, if I give God this portion of my life, I'm going to suffer. You won't, my friend. You'll find new joy. It's like people who, who haven't learned how to tithe They say, well, if I start tithing, give 10% of my income to God, if I start tithing, I'm going to go broke. I'll have to declare bankruptcy. I won't be able to pay my bills. No, you won't. You have to prove God by faith. You start doing it, and you will see. God will make new cash appear. God will maybe make old things that should be worn out and thrown away. He'll make them last Year after year after year, wow, I don't have to spend all kinds of new money on new appliances and car repairs. Imagine that. Everything's still running tickety-boo. That's great. That's another way that God blesses. He has so many ways that He can bless us financially. We just need to obey by faith. By faith. Well, how is your walk with the Lord? We're told here that He's showing us what is the good thing and what does the Lord require of thee? Three things. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. That's what he wants. He wants relationship. You and I, we need to get back to the cash flow relationship. We get, we give. We're talking relationship here. And I want to ask you, how is your walk with the Lord doing? Are you feeling that wonderful closeness with God? Do you find that when you open the Bible, it's talking to you? You ought to. That should be your normal Christian experience when you start reading the Bible. And I hope you're a Bible reader. You're reading through the Bible. And man, that talks to me. And when you pray, you need to feel close to God. Do you feel far away from God? Do you ever pray? God, can you hear me? All right, I'll pray for Eeny, Meeny, miney, and moe and, you know, oh, the missionary. And in Jesus' name, see you later. I, I got to get a coffee. What's your prayer life like? Isn't it exciting to have a wonderful prayer life? Some Christians haven't figured that out yet. This all comes through the cash flow of your Christian experience with your Heavenly Father. We need to get back to the giving part. God's giving and He'll give more. We need to start to trust Him and and give more of our time, more of our talents, more of our treasures. Your church attendance... Could you upgrade that in 2023? Could you attend a few more church services this year than you did last year? There's no more COVID to have to worry about. How about your giving? Could you increase your giving for missions this year a little bit more than last year? We're talking upgrades, upgrades. Why don't you upgrade your relationship with the Lord today? Why don't you today in your heart Tell him, Father, I'm sorry. I've been blocking the cash flow. I've been stopping it. There's only a little trickle. Just a little trickle I've been giving you, God. Starting today, I want to increase that. Maybe I can double the size of my trickle. Maybe I can open the floodgate a little more. How about that? My friend, if you're here today and you have not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to tell you this amazing story, and then we're going to pray. Back in 1924, a man was born. His name was Ray Overholt, O-V-E-R-H-O-L-T, Overholt. And Ray grew up to become a songwriter and a singer, a very popular one for many years. And at one point, Ray even had his own television show, But Ray was lost. He didn't know the Lord as his Savior. He had a lot of worldly success, but I'll tell you, Ray, in his own words, said that he was not happy. Not at all. You see, Ray was involved with the nightclub circuit. And he was doing a lot of heavy drinking. And he said he was doing a lot of things that he was very ashamed of, he wasn't very proud of. And it was all part of his life. Finally, in 1956... He said to his wife, Millie, he said, Millie, I want to clean up my life. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I want to clean up my life. Ray actually knew that there were people praying for him. It's a good thing to tell your lost friends you're praying for them. Ray was lost and he had people telling him, Christians telling him, Ray, we're praying for you. And so Ray, he wanted to clean up his life, but he didn't quite know how to do it. And so he'd been writing worldly songs. That's all he ever did. Worldly music, worldly songs. And he said, I've got to try something religious. And so he took the Bible and he opened it up. And it happened to open in the New Testament to the story about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there in the Bible he read about how Jesus submitted himself to the Heavenly Father. And he, he read there how Judas came with an armed band of cutthroats to arrest Jesus. And he read about how the apostle Peter pulled out his sword to defend the master. And then he read these words that Jesus said to Peter, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. And he read those words in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew. Now at that time, Ray had no idea what a legion was. He didn't know what it meant. But he was so deeply impressed with what he read. More particularly, the person of Jesus Christ was making a deep impression upon Ray's heart. And so Ray began reading the Gospels to find out more about Jesus. And though he was still not a believer, he was not born again, he was still lost, based upon what he read, he wanted to write a religious song. And so he wrote a religious song and he called it 10,000 Angels. And it goes like this. They bound the hands of Jesus in the garden where he prayed. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon the Savior, so pure and free from sin. They said, crucify him, he's to blame. How many have heard this song? He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free he could have called ten thousand angels but he died alone for you and me ray wrote that song and he wasn't even saved two years later he got a call from a church they wanted him to come and sing He had no idea why they'd want an unsaved nightclub singer to come to their church, but that's what happened. So Ray went, and he sang the only religious song that he had in his repertoire. Do you know what song he sang? 10,000 Angels. After he finished singing that song, the pastor of the church named Leo Swank got up and preached a very clear gospel message. At this point, the Spirit of God convicted Ray. He needed to be saved. And later, Ray said, I knew I needed Christ, so I knelt right there and I accepted as my Savior the one whom I'd been singing about. And Ray was genuinely saved and from then on, He spent many years of ministry singing about Jesus and preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2008, the Lord called Ray home. He's in heaven. This very same salvation can be yours if you've not yet repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Will you be saved today? Let's bow our heads now for prayer. Let's close our eyes, every one of us. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.